Startup Life Hacks, Episode 6. And as an entrepreneur, the biggest thing is how many times you're going to get yourself up and how many times you're going to come back. And that was a perfect example of that and kind of what it taught me. Welcome. Welcome to Startup Life Hacks. Ever wondered if you have what it takes to start a business? Join us as we share with you inspiring stories from these amazing entrepreneurs. Let their journeys bring you one step closer to achieving success. And now, here's your host, Romel Cabal. What up, Hacker Nation? This is Romel Cabal, your favorite host, and I am excited to introduce you to my next guest, AJ Agrawal. AJ is an absolute stud of an entrepreneur who graduated with a degree in finance from the University of San Diego. I met AJ through Eric Bonnell, who is actually episode number 5 in this podcast. So if you haven't already, check out Eric's amazing story. AJ is the co-founder and CEO at Alumnify an alumni engagement platform that is changing the game for how universities interact with alumni and how alumni interact with alumni. AJ and his team recently joined one of the major startup accelerators in Silicon Valley named 500 Startups, so you may hear some engagement in the background during the interview. So please welcome to the mic, AJ Agarwal. And thank you so much for for having me on the show. So um, I basically, like you said before, graduated from USD with a degree in finance, started Alumnify when I was 21 and did it uh, ever since I graduated from college. Basically, Alumnify is an alumni engagement company that builds custom mobile applications for universities and high schools. Um, we started the company with around $70 in our pocket, and to date we've raised over $1.2 million. Uh, we have 16 people who are working on the team, expected to raise another round of 2 to $3 million within the next six months. So. It's been an incredible journey. Uh, definitely learned a lot of lessons along the way, and it's just been a wonderful, wonderful experience. But definitely been an, an entrepreneur all my life, and so it's uh, it's been great to be able to give back to people who are starting companies and and be able to go on great podcasts like yours. Wow, sounds amazing. So here at Startup Life Hacks, we concentrate on the journey. What was your upbringing like? What was your professional and personal history that makes you perfect for what you're doing right now? Yeah, so I actually grew up in a town in Ohio, so very different than a lot of my friends who grew up on the West Coast, and we moved around a lot when I was little, so we lived in Ohio, then we moved to Atlanta, um, so we lived in a variety of places, and I think like one of the, the advantages of that is you learn to deal with a lot of different people, so like business is very different on the West Coast than it is in the Midwest and on the East Coast. Um, grew up with primarily my mom and then my, my grandfather. And so I had an older brother as well. And I think that um, having kind of a, a family that was from the Midwest, but also a family that I think was very laid hands off. So I had a lot of freedom when I was younger, which meant I got in a lot of trouble, but I also had time to experiment. I think that was great for me as an entrepreneur. So the first company that I started was when I was in third grade, I mixed Kool-Aid with uh, apple juice and I was selling it to kids in my elementary school I got in trouble for my teachers because it was in this huge pitcher and I was pouring it in and I think some some kid was allergic to apple juice so I got in trouble oh no yeah so I got in trouble in that time and then high school got I got fired from three jobs actually Kroger's which is if some people know it as Ralph's here um, a movie theater and then a CVS 
and all three of them were just for breaking the rules. So I knew I was, I had to be an entrepreneur because I, I couldn't work a job. Then in college, I started a couple more companies, got in trouble for that. So the one thing that's been really consistent in my life is I've always found a way to get in trouble. And then here, here at, uh, now we're in 500 startups and uh, we've gotten almost kicked out a couple of times here as well. So, but you learn through your mistakes. I think that it's really good that um, I have a great team around me and a great, uh, great group of mentors as well. But I think that was kind of my, my journey of, of failing a lot and then just kind of figuring out as I went along. But I, I've kept out of trouble the past couple of weeks here. So hopefully that, uh, that pattern continues. <laughs> well, there's no question about it. You are a doer. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Well, most of us had an idol while growing up. What was the someone that you looked up to or are currently looking up to? Yeah, so I have I have two. In my in my personal life, my my biggest idol is my grandfather. So he moved into our house um in Ohio when I was nine years old. And he would he would do this thing with me where every night since I was nine years old, he would sit down with me for about an hour and a half and just talk me through leadership lessons that he's learned, sales lessons that he's learned, et cetera. And he also really got me into reading. So um, since, I was, since I was around that age, I've been reading you know, 50 to 100 pages a day. And he was just always, he's so big on, on learning and constantly looking to improve yourself. And that's a habit that stayed with me throughout my life. So he's definitely been a huge role model for me and continues to stay one. And then outside of personal people I look up to, I would say, I have two big popular models. The first is Richard Branson. I uh, love what he's doing. I love the way he leads Virgin. I love his idea of giving a lot of employees freedom. And then second is Mark Cuban, a uh, big fan of Shark Tank. I like the fact that Mark Cuban is one of those guys where he's not afraid to speak his mind. Um, he acts the same as if he was worth you know, a billion dollars or a hundred dollars. And I think that's really cool. So uh, besides my grandfather, personal life, I'd say Richard Branson and Mark Cuban are definitely uh, two of my big idols. Well, it seems like you have a lot on the plate. I mean, running a company, 500 startups. I've read that you write articles for Inc. So how do you even keep your cool? Yeah. Like besides business, like what are a few of your favorite hobbies that you like to do? Yeah, definitely. So I'm a big, I'm a big reader. Uh, I, I love reading. I think that's one of my biggest hobbies. I actually recently, I was doing CrossFit for about like six months and I like was really bad at it. Like I'm really, really unflexible. So I, I tried that and then I tried this thing of like hot yoga. So I was like, went on a date with this girl and she's like, do you do yoga? So of course I said, yes, even though I've never done yoga. <laughs> and we do this, we do this pose, you get into like this crow shape and I'm, and she's like, are you sure you're going to do this? Because I was like, yeah, of course so I do it. And I literally, I hit my nose on the mat and I get a nosebleed. That was my last time ever doing yoga again. So I figured I'm not good at that. And then now, now I, I play basketball with my friends and stuff, but you know, you, you just keep, keep trying. So I'm like, I'm trying to figure out like what my athletic hobby is going to be. I ran track in college. So, but now I hate running. So I'm, I'm constantly looking, trying to find something. What I might do is just be one of those guys who just reads and then watches other people work out, you know? And then for me, I'm going to make that a hobby. But besides that, I mean, outside of, outside of work, it's tough. I also live with a good amount of people who work in our company. So work is like, with me all the time, even if I don't want it to be. Um, and then I'm also a huge fan of, of like of music. So sometimes when you live with a lot of people you work with, you need to just get away. And I think that's one of the hardest things for startup founders when you're starting, especially if you start a business in college, is you usually live with your co-founder. And I, and I think it's been fun for me to do that, but it's also certain times where like, I'll be making you know breakfast in the morning and somebody will ask me a business question. And I'm like, dude, literally, I do not want to talk about this right now. 
And so what I'll do is, you know, you just plug in your headphones and listen to music. So that's been a big part of my life as well. Uh, but other than that, I mean, a lot of hanging out with friends. I think the other, the, on the other side of it, the advantage of working with people and living with them is they become really close. I mean, we're like best friends with the people we work with. Our culture is very, very close-knit at Alumnify. And I think a big reason why is because a lot of us live together. But besides that, we're all very young. Um, we all really love what we're doing. And we have this, even if, you know, some of us who are older, we still have this young mentality where we're all learning together. And I think, you know, advantages and disadvantages aside, it's been a wonderful experience doing that. So most of my hobbies really, really pertain to hanging out with people in my company and then trying to figure out something that I can be athletic in. And it's all about a balance too. Like, I mean, I do believe that if you really do have to balance with your physical and mental capabilities. So mm -hmm. working out yeah. every morning has been a huge part of my resume. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think too, you know, one of the things that we're really big at in our company is I never care if somebody says I work 12 hours a day. I really don't care. What I care about more is what, what was achieved within those hours that you work, you know? And I think that that's an idea that people really forget is that our whole company and the way we designed it, it's all built on saying, how can you get the maximum output for the hours that you work? And so we really promote our team members to have a life outside of work. So our first actual company meeting starts at 10.30 a.m., which is crazy when you think about most companies. They start at 8 a.m., 8.30. We do 10.30 a.m. because people work late, et cetera. But the other thing is we want our people to get enough hours of sleep. We don't track our hours at Alumnify either. Uh, we want people to be able to have autonomy, work when they want to. We don't have a dress code. So it's a very hands-off mentality. And the reason we have a hands-off mentality is just it's our company culture to believe in saying, you know, we want a balanced lifestyle for everybody that works here. We want them to be happy. We want them to look forward to work. And to be a really balanced and happy person, you have to be doing stuff outside of work. All right. So here at Startup Life Hacks, we like to give our listeners an inside scoop on how to start a startup. So what strategies did you use to fund your business? So we did, we did a couple of things. And, and I, wrote a, I wrote an article about this, of, of how you can really quickly build your initial, um, initial vision and get that funded. And so the first thing that we did in college, and I'll, I'll talk in the sense that most of the founders that we see right now is, are not tech, technologically focused. And I learned to code later on, but I wasn't, I wasn't a technology-focused founder to start, so I didn't know how to code. So here's what I did. The first step that I did is I made uh, mock-ups. And essentially, mock-ups um, are basically just sketches of what you want to build, right? Like wireframes. And there's a great service called Balsamic that I strongly recommend for founders to do. And that's where I started is I just drew these Balsamic wireframes and put them on pieces of paper. And then what I did is I took those and I started calling schools. So I, I, called, I called about 350 schools and it took me 350 cold calls to schools before I got my first customer to, to take a meeting with me. Um, and that's one of the things that I've learned throughout my life that stayed with me is the importance of being able to call somebody on the phone, have them reject you and keep calling. It's a skill that not a lot of people have that you just get through effort. And so anyways, so I started with those balsamic mock-ups. We called all these schools and we got a hundred, we got, we got, you know, like 10 schools that said, listen, when this product is built, we'd be interested in trying it out. Great, so now we have these case study schools. And, and there's no money that's involved in these balsamic mock-ups. There's no money involved in cold calling these schools. And then you get 10 commitments. And then once you get 10 commitments, then you can go out and go to people and family, friends, investors, and say, listen, so here's my idea of a product. Here are customers that are willing to try it. Would you be willing to fund a little bit um, of money for this venture so I can prove out this case study? 
And what you have to look at is, for an investor's standpoint, they're all looking at mitigating risk. An investor wants to know that you've thought through basic things and know that they have a chance to get their money back. So when you do that, when you have that conversation, being able to outline just a few customers that are willing to buy your product goes a long way, especially in B2B sales. And then once you do that, you take initial, a little bit of funding, and what you want to do is you want to recruit everybody who basically has strengths that are your weaknesses. So when I started, I wasn't the best person at you know marketing. So my co-founder did the marketing end of things. I was the best person eventually on building the product. So that's what I geared more towards. And then you slowly build your team from there. And the other thing I think that you need to, you need to look at is when you do get that initial piece of funding, for us it was like $4,000 or something really tiny. Um, you need to make it stretch a long time. I think a lot of startups, they'll raise a little bit of money and, money and they'll blow funding on like a launch party, which is really dumb to me in, initial, in the <laughs> initial phases, right? What you need to be spending money on is thinking to yourself, what's the next meaningful milestone I need to get to? You need to follow that set process. You need to be very, very meticulous and strategic on how you do it. Because if you don't, you're going to blow through funding and you're going to be out of business. And I think the biggest thing that I would also say too is you really need to learn to motivate your team. So one thing that I did when we first started and we continue to do today is we really look at how happy our team is. Because um, I think there's a direct correlation between how happy people are and how productive they are especially in startups where people aren't getting paid a lot, they're really working for the vision of the company, making sure that you have a place where people love coming to work, where they're learning, where they feel like they're on a winning team is essential. And you have to start that from day one. From the first $100 that you fundraise, you need to build a team around you who loves what you're doing and is built in that concept to be successful. Definitely agree. So how did you choose your founders? So my co-founder, um, Agosa Ahi, we met in a biblical studies class at USD. And we were, I was walking into office hours and he was ahead of me. And here's this like old teacher. I hope she doesn't, she doesn't hear this. She was a, you know, an older teacher with these really thick glasses. And she was like the kind of teacher that, that you'd, like, you'd imagine would hit you with a ruler if you said something like wrong. And she would, never, she would never change your grade, 100% never. And he goes in there and he basically convinces her to change his grade from a B to a B plus. And as he's walking out, I pull him aside and say, listen, that was amazing. We need to build a business together. And we started the business from there. And then since then, us two, we've, we've grown it. Um, we've added an amazing person to handle all of our business operations named Jake Newfield. Probably the best salesperson you know, on the West Coast. He's, he's really built the brand for himself in there. Raised our clients from you know, 60, I think, when he took over to 130 in, in the fastest time possible. So just an expert at selling schools. Um, we have an amazing uh, design team. We have James, Carl, and Aline who make up the design team. Aline, by far, is the leader of the design team. She has the best designs like I have ever seen in my life, changing the industry as well. And so they, those have been the ones who've really built it. And then from there, they've just built a team around them to really succeed. So we've, we've been blessed enough to have a team that's all been smarter than me, and that's allowed us to really go, to go far. So let me ask you this. So as a college student, how would you advise someone to maybe even look for a founder or if you even need a founder. Yeah, so here's, here's what we did. Um, you're usually gonna find in college that you're gonna need a technical founder. If you need a business founder, there's, you can go to the business school if you're a tech guy and it's basically being like the hottest girl at the bar. Everybody's gonna wanna work with you because you have the technical skills. When we were starting, we tried this thing where we went to the USD computer science program and we would like bring pizza or we would try to recruit kids as they were leaving uh, the class to, to join the company. Um, we 
went through a couple of people through there. And that's what I'd recommend for college founders. We did the outsourcing thing as well. My biggest advice is if you're a college student, you're thinking about outsourcing, you need to understand the process. You need to make the product go as far as you possibly can before you outsource it. You need to do your mock-ups. You need to actually go through, make sure your color schemes are fine because it's when you try to outsource a product and then change it that you really see a lot of companies mess up. So I would really strongly recruit people from your computer science um, classes if you can. And then outside of that, look for people who are exceptionally smart, but also risk takers in college. And I think that, you know, we have in our company, we have like four people who graduated from the University of San Diego. And all four of us, we have a good balance between finance, marketing, business, et cetera. And we all focused on looking for weaknesses um, that we didn't have initially. And that helped us a lot. But I would say looking at looking at those things and really trying to find people on your campus who um, can solve some of the weaknesses that you have as a founder is the best way to go. Great. So take us back to your worst entrepreneur moment and lessons learned from that. Yeah. So I would say our worst entrepreneur moment, something that happened recently was pretty bad. We started out uh, where we were working with an outsourcing team for about three months and they were building our product. They're doing a good job, you know, and then after three months, they said, you know, we're going to hit this deadline. We're going to hit this deadline. And they missed the deadline and they, they haven't even gone, they didn't even get halfway through the product. And then there's this negotiation about, you know, if we were going to pay them for the product or not, because they missed all these deadlines and they ended up not giving us any of the code. So basically three months of product time were wasted. Um, and that was really hard for me as a, as a founder, because I, I had personally worked, you know, hired with these guys I'd advocated for them. It was a big letdown for our team to go through that process. Um, and what we kind of did to get over that is I basically pulled the team together and we developed an entire in-house process to, to build our product. And so now we use a method called Scrum, which basically shows, you know, a product backlog, shows exactly the tasks that need to get completed for the day. And I think, you know, for me, it would have been really easy to kind of give up at that point or really get down on myself. But we did this, the transition in less than a day. And I think the, the biggest lesson that I learned is as a founder, you're going to go through just a lot of stuff. And I mean, we've been in situations where we had $70 left in our pocket. We were living out of our car. We had another situation where we had $400 in our pocket and we had to win a pitch competition where we were going to go out of business. And so as you go through more of those moments, you just get used to just getting hit all the time. And as an entrepreneur, the biggest thing is how many times you're going to get yourself up and how many times you're going to come back. And that was a perfect example of that and kind of what it taught me. Wow. So tell us a story about a great success that you've had as an entrepreneur. So I think the greatest, one of the greatest successes that we've had so far was making it to the end of 500 startups. So when we got in here, we got kicked out. We got threatened to get kicked out, I think, 11 times. Um, and the reasons we got threatened to kick out is we kept growing our company when we weren't supposed to. We were also a noisy bunch. So we, we were basically pushing... And each time they said, you know what, guys, we have to kick you out. And, we, and, they, and they stayed with us. And, and we owe a lot to 500 startups for doing that. I mean, they put up a lot with us because I think they saw a lot of potential in our company. And we made it to the end. And on preview day, we, we had a great pitch. We raised a lot of money. Since getting into the program, we've raised over half a million dollars of funding. I don't think any of that would have happened unless we were persistent. And to make it to the end the way we did, to finish on such a high note, I think it was really meaningful for us and the team. But it also goes to show you that you know, there's, there's three kinds of people. There's the people that always follow the rules, the straight edge people. 
There's the people that break all the rules, the rebels. And I think in entrepreneurship, what you want to be is you want to be a maverick. And those are people who bend the rules. And we really proved that through our experience here, and it really paid off. So what is your vision for Alumnify five years from now? So our vision is really, you know, like what I like to say is I want us to be what Tesla is in the car industry. Um, I want Alumnify to be that in the alumni engagement space. And I think that that has a variety of things that go with it. I think for us, we're a very product and user experience driven company. So like I've always said that in our team, it's, it's actually our, our design team who really sets the forefront for our products and, and leading the company. And we lead through our apps and, and the design of them. And that's very different because in the alumni engagement space today, you have a lot of companies who have a lot of extra features and they don't really care as much about the user. They're all really focused on the school's value, not the user's value. And that's the big change that we want to make. Um, the other thing is that we really want to be something where an alumni has the ability for the first time to bring a community with them wherever they go from their alma mater. And I think right now, alumni engagement is at its lowest it's ever been. It's 9% in this country, and it continues to decrease because the relationship that alums have with their school is that their school just wants money after they graduate. And at Alumnify, we really believe that you know, the, the way to success in alumni engagement is not through money, it's through community. And we want to be able to be the biggest alumni community in the world. So our vision in five years is basically to be just that. And I think that we're on the right track to get there. We definitely have a lot of work to do. But by always focusing on the user, by focusing on that feeling that you get when you meet somebody from your school, when you're in you know, California or Europe or wherever you are, that feeling is so powerful that we want every alum to experience that. And I think that's the vision for our company. Exactly. I love it. Awesome. Thanks. So AJ, we are now entering my favorite, the superhero round. Oh, wow. So I'm a huge fan of superheroes. I actually saw Dragon Ball Z last night, and it was pretty epic. Nice. Goku Goku is the man. Yep. <laughs> so what is your entrepreneurial superpower? In other words, what is your greatest strength? So my, I think my greatest strength is um, the ability to uh, motivate people. I think that's like something I've always been really passionate about and building a team of people that, that are motivated. Um, I think if I had like a superhuman strength though, um, I heard this, so I can't say I made it up myself, but if I had one that, uh, I could, I could basically use, it would be as, you know, when like you're snuggling a girl and your arm goes numb, I wish I could, I wish I could for like that period of time, have my arm disappear because it's literally the most annoying thing in the world, but you can't say anything. So if I had one superpower, that's what it would be. That's really interesting. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, I think about it all the time. Yeah. So what would you say is your kryptonite? Um, I think my, my kryptonite is sometimes I can jump around and not focus on one task for long enough. So like right now in our company, I really don't have a department. I kind of just jump around. And um, I think that my weakness is that sometimes I jump around too much, so I never focus on one thing long enough. And I think... You know, I've done a lot better of a job of it by improving kind of how the company runs logistically, making sure that we're eliminating as much technical waste as possible. But I think me being able to focus more on, on one department, making sure it's running perfectly before moving on to the next one, it's my biggest weakness. But through trial and error, I've started to get a little bit better at it. Cool. I know you kind of mentioned this, but if you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? And I'm not going to give you the... The, the arm thing so you got to say a different one okay if i had if i had any superpower i wish i wish like you know when you say something stupid 
Like I wish I could freeze time and rewind just like 15 seconds though. Cause I do that a lot where I'll say something like I'll be joking around somebody and I'll say something really stupid or like really like I'll, I'll meet a girl at a bar. Everything's going great. And then I'll drop this line. And it's one of those lines where you think about it and you're like, why did I say that? Like that totally killed it. So I wish <laughs> I could. Yeah. The, the whole awkward <laughs> thing. And the thing is, is that it's going so well too. Like five minutes into the conversation, it's great. Like we're going to end up getting married. Perfect. And then you say one dumb thing and then she walks away. And so like, I wish I could just rewind for like 15 seconds and not say anything stupid. Just like click my fingers and go back. That'd be my superpower, which would be really helpful for me too. You know what? I could see you creating a dating app later in the future. You think so? You think I'm going to create a dating app? If I do, you can be my co-founder. How's that sound? Yeah. Sounds great. <laughs> All right. Now we're answering the final questions of the interview. Share an internet resource or app that you use daily and what we recommend to our listeners. Oh, I would say the best app that I use daily that I recommend is Headspace. It's, uh, for me, it's really helpful. So I have like a really short attention span sometimes and I like rush to, to do things really quickly. And so Headspace is a meditation app. I started getting into meditation about a year ago and all you do is you meditate for 10 minutes a day and, it, and like I've already seen drastic, drastic results. Like I can hear people better. I'm calmer when I talk to them. So um, it's like $100 for a year it's, and it's definitely worth it. So it's Headspace and I would definitely recommend everybody check it out. Right. I actually use Headspace. I, I tried the free trial. Uh-huh. And I haven't used it in a week, so they've been sending me emails like, where are you? So really? <laughs> I really got to get back on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. yeah, no, good. <laughs> so name one book that you could recommend to our listeners. One book. If I had to pick one, I would say... Just one. Oof. So uh, my favorite book is Robert Greene, The Art of Mastery. And I would recommend that to everybody. I think it's a great read. I love his reading style. He uses... Um, figures in history as examples. And I love that book because it really walks you through how to master anything. And I think for me, a lot of what I do is based on self-growth. Like even the way we run our company is we always want to hire within. And I'd rather have, let's say one of our, you know, designers say, listen, I want to learn how to become an iOS developer than hiring an iOS developer if we don't have to. Because I think if you have a team who is very, capable of switching roles and adaptable, that's a huge advantage. And so Robert Greene's book, Art of Mastery, really walks through how you can learn any skill very quickly. And I just love the way it's written. So that would be my recommendation. Cool. So what would you dare to dream if you knew that you could not fail? I would, I would dare to dream to go to Pluto. And I really want to go to Pluto. I heard, though, that they said Pluto is not really a, a planet anymore. Right, I heard that too. But but when I was younger, I was like obsessed with Pluto. So I like I think they're all lying. I don't believe it. And so I would I would fly like I always when I was little I wanted to be an astronaut. So it'd be go to Pluto if I knew I could make it back, hundred percent. All right. So knowing what you know now, what is one advice that you could tell our listeners who are struggling to make that leap into entrepreneurship? I would say start start small. And the reason I say that is when people look about diving into entrepreneurship, they think that they need to build some amazing product right off, right out off the bat. They need to pour thousands upon thousands of dollars to make it work. They need to be the next Facebook. In reality, I think entrepreneurship is starting really small, setting really small milestones for yourself, and then continuously getting to that next milestone. So maybe your first step is you know putting your your thoughts down on paper. Your second step is creating wireframes. Your third step is finding a co-founder, and eventually 
all of those things build up and each domino knocks over the next domino. And soon after that, you find yourself in a place where you've raised, you know, millions of dollars of funding, you have a company, but it all starts small and you just have to keep going to that next milestone to get there. So that'd be my biggest advice is don't overthink it, start really small and then, and then build up from there. So tell Hacker Nation, what is the best way they can follow you? And then we'll say goodbye. So the best way to follow me is on my Twitter. It's at AJ Alumnify. Also, I tell everybody that they can also send me an email, um, AJ at alumnify.co. I'm pretty good at responding to email. I don't want to say I have a hundred percent response rate. So I think I miss a few here and there, but I'd say like 95 response rate on my email. So thank you, AJ, for being a guest on my show. We appreciate your time and wisdom. But here at Startup Life Hacks, we have a saying to help motivate our listeners who are on this entrepreneurial journey, that it's okay to fail, that it's okay to struggle. So let's close by reminding Hacker Nation what our motto is and say it with extreme enthusiasm. Stay positive and keep grinding, baby. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, AJ. No problem, man. Thank you so much for joining me today on Startup Life Hacks. To see how to get in touch with AJ as well as the resources he suggested, navigate over to Shono's page at startuplifehacks.com slash AJ. But before we close, I'd like to go over some key takeaways from this interview. To be a really balanced and happy person, you have to be doing stuff outside of work. You have to be taking care of yourself physically and mentally and go out with your friends occasionally. Some may believe happiness is a direct correlation of how productive you are. So not only is it important to be happy yourself, your team has to be happy too. Keep them motivated and you'll find that they'll be more productive and part of a winning team. Let me know what you think about this comment, what it means to you. Don't forget to read and review and I'll talk to you soon. And as always, stay positive and keep grinding.